You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the Literary Briefs edition. I am your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today, wrapped in a cow blanket, is Valerie Willis. Cold. Okay, it's not cold. You're in Florida and a weirdo. Um, Our amazing guest today is Jim Nettles. Okay. And they rejoiced. Yes. Um, Let's talk about what we're drinking, shall we? I am drinking my Pacific Rim Sweet Riesling. I only have that much left of a bottle. Super excited. And drinking a La Croix Lime. So I'm properly hydrated during this process. Val has moved into her new house, which is epic. So we don't see blurry Val, but she's drinking something lame. What are you drinking? Water in my drinking with author's cup. That's true. Jim, for being on the show, you'll get a drinking with author swag. We have cups and shot glasses. Yes. We treat our guests right here on this show, you see? Look, look, merch. By the way, that shot glass holds two shots, so just be forewarned. So Um, in other words, still amateur class. Okay. Yeah, amateur, unless you do a row of them, which I may or may not have done a time or two. So um, what are you drinking, Jim? I am in the mother's milk. I'm in the Guinness. The mother's milk. Yes, I love it. Okay. Let's start with our rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Sure. Are you looking for rapid fire answers? Because I don't think I've no. ever met an answer and that was short. I say rapid fire questions. It doesn't end There's up that way, point. except for with Bill Fawcett, who felt I wasn't going fast enough. So totally threw me off and was yelling at me. Um, so <laughs> he's like, go faster. And I'm like, oh, my God. Um, what is your favorite book of all time? Ooh. I'm going to still say Stranger in a Strange Land. That's one I have to go reread every few years, even though parts of it have definitely become a little more problematic. But it's one of those things that Heinlein has always held a a lot of stuff for me. And it's interesting to me from a cultural perspective, what that book has meant over time and reading it in the perspective of the period of the time I'm in. Very cool. Um, What is your least favorite book? Ooh, that's a list. That's but the real tie there is between Moby Dick and Portrait of a Lady. Ooh, why? Why don't you like those? It's okay Portrait that you don't. I agree with you, but why don't you like those? Moby Dick is one of those things that, as since my mother was an English teacher, I it was as a classic. For some reason, when I was about eight or nine years old, I was like, okay, I need to read this. And about three sentences past, called me Ishmael. It was like. Ooh, okay, I'll come back to this. And I came back, still no. Every few years, I think I'm going to try it again. And I pick it up and I'm like, this is still nothing more than a critique on whaling. Cool. I don't need to know anything about whaling. I'm not writing anything about whaling. I suspect I will go to my deathbed without ever completing <laughs> Moby Dick. And I fear that on my deathbed, somebody's going to decide to put it on audiobook and stick it on my ears just to force me to get completion. So I'll be laying there and twitching as I hear 
the last stanza. And this is just one of my unrealistic fears. Death by Moby Dick. <laughs> Portrait of a lady, because so when I was in college, I took a lit class that, and it was kind of this general lit class. And I was looking forward to it because the professor loved and specialized in sci-fi and adventure and spy novels and stuff like this. And I was kind of working on some of that at the time. And so I had the stack of books. I'd read a bunch of the books we were going to cover, but I was interested in the critique and diving into it. I show up on the first day of class and the professors have swapped. And the professor I had, his great love and passion was 17th and 18th century romance. And we got stuck to read Portrait of a Lady which was like a 12,000 page character description that I didn't care about starting about the second page in. Yeah, no, I would not have done well in that class at all. Not at all. <sighs> but I so finished it. What is, do you have um, something that will absolutely cause you to put a book down? Like, and just be like, I'm super done. Um. So looking at, and because I see a fair number of manuscripts as well, and looking at a manuscript, I, you know, it used to be one of those things where uh, if I picked up a book, I was going to finish it. And it, for a very long time, Moby Dick was the only book I had never finished in my life. Um, over the years, I've learned my time is much more valuable. And if it really just isn't grabbing me, I'm not going to say it sucks, but if it's not grabbing me, then yeah, I'll usually just sort of toss it and move to the next thing. I also recognize that there's times that I'm just not in the mood to read it. Um, and it, if I'm not in the mood for it, there's things that have become favored books and stuff later on, but I wasn't in the mood the first couple of times I picked it up, like Dune. The first time I tried to read Dune, eh, I got a few pages and I was like, eh, I'll come back. And it took me a couple of tries to get to it. And I now... You know, I will go read Dune every five or six years or so and reread the series. Um, but in general, the things for me that will, if you start out with it was a dark and stormy night, that's going to fly across the room. Um, if it starts out, uh, you know, with just straight up too cliched, unless they're doing it in a way that just looks and feels a little different. Eh. Um, if it is, if somebody starts out with something that is offensive and it takes a lot to offend me, but if somebody starts out with something, I look and I go, no fucking way. Um, but other than that, I usually give stuff a fair amount of a shot. Um, and if at least has got, if it'll get me through the first chapter, I'll finish it most of the time. Typos don't throw me out unless it's a lot of them. Poor word choice will tell me a lot about the writer. And one of the one of the things that for me is a lot of the time, if I start getting bored, I will start studying and critiquing it from a word choice and character and setup. And it's not so much about what will cost me to toss it as it is. What takes me out of the story? How do I start studying the mechanics of what what could have been better? Well, with that in mind, do you write reviews? Yeah. Do you write reviews of all the books you read or only the ones you're going to give a certain amount of stars to? If it's not a three and up, I generally won't unless it is so horrific or something I feel compelled to go and hammer. 
but generally if it is, you know, it really, it takes a lot for me not to be doing four or five. Cause I, if I finished it, it's going to probably be at least a four. Okay. What about, um, have you ever emailed the author outside of ones that maybe, you know, to go, um, Hey, you might want to take a look at this. Yes, I have. Because I am a shy, resigning, quiet person. You've struck um, me as that it's been very hard to interview you because I feel like you're not actually responding to the questions. Mm. Oh, I may not be responding to the questions, but I'll have some answer. Um, I have done it a few times um, where I've looked and gone, did you do any research at all? Like for me, again, I've worked in tech for a very long time. Also part of my misspent youth was in cultural anthropology. I've studied a lot of really weird shit. Um, but generally, I'm if somebody can make something carry and go for the story, I'll give a pass. Even if it is the, I plugged in the USB key and I downloaded 37 terabytes of data and I did it in 90 seconds. I wish, I wish. I just look and go, I know you needed to move the story along. I will forgive such things to an extent. Unless, of course, you're writing a hardcore techno thriller, in which case I'm going to go, what the fuck is this bullshit? Um, but again, you know, you, you've got that hard thing of people that work in medicine critique medicine much harder. People that work in law enforcement critique law enforcement much harder. When I look at tech, I'm like, I don't expect most people to make a good decision here. They made a really poor decision because they made something way harder and I'd have never done it that way. I'd have just socially engineered it and called it good. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I don't disagree with you. I think one thing, and so it's going to touch on another question, which is a research question, which is, um, you know, when you're writing a book, there's some stuff you want to do to move the story along. Hi, I downloaded 50 billion terabytes in 90 seconds, right? There's stuff, but I think in general, that's one of the things that throws me out of the story. I think we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast, or at least I had that conversation in my mind, um, where if you don't do your research a little bit on things, and I'm not saying go down a research fucking rabbit hole where you're looking at things for 10 years, Valerie Willis, um, but I think as an author, there is a degree of responsibility to go, if you're not, if you're going to talk about this topic, at least get the Google immediate search version of whether or not you can accomplish this. Because that particular example you gave, if you typed in how long will it take to download this much data, Google's going to vomit up an answer that is not going to be 90 seconds, right? So um, for you as an author, do you find that you are able to do research um, quickly, cleanly, or do you end up down rabbit holes like Val? So I'm the quickly, cleanly version, and Val's the, I'm going to end up in a rabbit I'll, hole. I'll be back in Every weeks. single god that <laughs> Egypt has ever had. This stuff I'm not using. The short answer is yes. So you can do both. How long uh, have you, <laughs> what is your your time where you've gone down a rabbit hole and you've gone, wow, that's X amount of hours and I'll never get that back for the color of a scarf. Um, it really depends on what I'm working on. Because again, there's certain things where I'm working on, again, nonfiction, things like this, where the citations, the research has to be right. Making one statement in here that is incorrect will invalidate the entirety of what I'm, 
like a white paper or something like that can invalidate the entirety of it for whoever's picking up because they look and go, oh, well, that was a, even if it's a typo can invalidate the work. Now in fiction, um, a lot of the time I, I include things I already know something about. So if I'm doing research, it's going to be the, I need the refresher on this or the, I need a new take on this. I need inspiration on this. Great. I've done it. I'm moving on. Other times it's the, I kind of want to do something around this. Let me go dive in the rabbit hole and see if there's a story there. Um, that's kind of where the that Krampus story finally came from. Um, I'd been wanting to do a Krampus story for more than 10 years. I tried a number of them. They just didn't work. Um, and I was, was like, I'm going to try this again. And I picked it up and I just, I was doing research. Um, and I was like, and I started diving down the, the Perkton witches. And I'm like, huh. Because I'd seen it before, I'd heard discussion of it before, I knew the people in the mask. And I found this one little tidbit and I was like, huh. And then I dove down this nice deep rabbit hole. Um, there, because again, I'm very happy to dive down a rabbit hole, but I can also research very quickly. Um, I've done a lot of research and you know, kind of like the, the bad Tony Stark line is, when did you become an expert in particle physics? About midnight last night, you know. Um, <laughs> That's about right. Having been a consultant for much of my career and most of my life, a lot of the time you don't have a long time to learn to become an expert in something or at least expert enough to know the right questions to ask. Not necessarily have the answers, but what are the right questions? No, I, I think that's true from um, Valerie, the research goddess over there that literally wrote the book on doing research as an author. Um, so... <laughs> She now I have nice research into how to do research as an author and publish it as a book. So it's super fun. Um, let's talk about your favorite book to TV show or movie, like one you think they did incredibly well. Um, okay, so I'm going to talk about this piece because, again, it also inspired probably my next release that's coming out. Um, I am in a collection that is. Uh, called We Folk, um, Fairy Folk on Film. And so the piece that I did was an interpretation of the um, 1984 version of Dune as a fairy folk story. Okay. And so I am a, I will tell you what finally got me to read Dune was watching the David Lynch interpretation of it and going, I need to understand what I just watched. I'll, I'll <laughs> tell you that that version for a movie standpoint and, you know, in the realm of it is fan fiction of the book, Dune is entertaining as shit. Yep. Like, but it, is it the book? No, not but even it's close. Entertaining as shit to watch it. Right. Absolutely. And so looking at that book, Again, it is the the there are elements of the story that are there. It's a very different movie, but it's what finally made me gave me the context to read the book and kind of dive deeper into it. I don't know if that necessarily makes sense. Um, another one that I enjoy, even though they have nothing to do with each other other than the title, is um, going back to um, Starship Troopers. I'll oh. go back to a Heinlein novel. 
see, I agree with you on this one. Nobody's ever said that on the show yet, but I agree with you because I, I read the book mm-hmm. and not a lot of people read the book and I watched the movie and in true honesty, I don't think they could have created a movie version of that book and not had it be boring as shit mm-hmm. because the way that book is written is so military kind of like in a way, you know, that I go, that would have to be a TV show, like where they do the X amount of episodic to mm-hmm. get the point of that book across versus, you know, Neil Patrick Harris, go team. Yeah. I mean, but the sp- of the book i thought it captured it so well and it's one of those things that it was because if you know the story behind heinlein and why he wrote that particular story it captures the essence of it very well um it has i mean again the stories have nothing to do with each other other than the title but i think that as an essence it captured the essence really well no, I, I agree. I love this. He said books I love. Nobody's ever said that on this show before. A lot of people say Lord of the Rings. That's the answer a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I don't disagree because he happens to be one of the authors, though, that drives me nuts because I don't want to hear about the fucking trees anymore. Like, like I'm like, can we skip ahead past the walking in the fucking trees? I don't want to hear about the trees anymore. Um while I ha- while I have while I have a certain affection for Tolkien, Tolkien, I, and everything else, I have to be in a very specific mood. And going through, I think there's a lot of value to the adaptations. I think you know the movies themselves are a fun you know a fun experience. But at the end of the day, you know I thought they summed it up pretty well in Clerks too, and we're walking. And, and we're walking. walking. I felt and they walking. it up. And, and <laughs> Dexter's laboratory. And we're walking and we're walking. And then there's a dragon. <laughs> no, I agree. Okay. Um, Val, are, I realize that night has fallen in your office there. I there know. I'm no like, light. I'm but, like, there's um, no lights. I don't, I don't know if that's going to help you. I don't know but, if that's I thought you were descending into the crypt. I, I know. Yeah, no, I was like. So now what are your questions? Because you're being awfully quiet. I know. Did do we do worst movie and best movie? I'm I got lost. Ooh, worst. Worst movie adaptations. There we go. That's we did both question. of them. I just it chose not to answer the worst one. Um <laughs> so I think you should of, answer the worst one. What you what's one oh. that you were like, I'm gonna kill everyone in Hollywood? Most things that I watch. Um, worst adaptation. Um, here's the problem. I tend to, things that I think are really that bad, I tend to flush. Um, I mean, like Batman Returns with the Batman, Bat Nipples and the Bat Credit Card and the product placement movie. Um, I actually saw that in the theater. I, I, I really <laughs> needed, cringed. I, I needed eye flush. Um, ooh. It really is hard for me to say because I try really hard to flush those out of my mind after I have seen them. Um, I feel sure something will come back to me eventually and go and say, yeah, don't you remember this one? This is the one you hated so much. You like burned the book. It was so bad. Um, 
No, I I could see that. There are some times, you know, I've stopped. I had to stop going in when I saw movies, and this actually started back for me at Jurassic Park. Um, is I had to stop caring if they made the movie that I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Like even as recent as I read uh, Where the Crawdads Sing, I read. I listened to it on audiobook, but um, I. And then I literally started watching the movie because it's on Netflix now, right? I had to stop. I haven't gone back to it because I was like, you're not and you're right. I'm going to just enjoy this movie for being a movie phase because they started more than halfway through the fucking book. And I'm like, and I had to walk away. My friend was like, you read the book. What'd you think of the movie? And I'm like, can't tell you yet because I'm still too mad to actually start it again. Five minutes in, I turned it off and I was like, I got to walk away from this. Okay. I, I at least will share this one because I neither was able to finish the book or the movie. So I'm going to go ahead and set this out there. So 50 Shades of Grey. Um, we sat around after writer's group a couple of times and did dramatic readings from 50 Shades of Grey and critiqued writing and the lack of editing. And so the wife wanted to watch 50 shades she had pulled down 50 shades she'd already seen it and so we start watching it and they get to the hardware store scene and you're talking goes, to two people who have refused to read or watch this but continue talking this okay. isn't like the first five minutes of the movie the guy comes okay. in goes in the hardware store to buy rope and she walks over and cuts the rope and i looked and i said you would never cut rope you burn those ends that's yeah. when she said, we can't watch this and turn it off. That's as far as I've ever seen. I Why would you play? I, I, just, I will explain no, it I, off screen because that's adult content. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, it's not that. There were fucking rated X. We can talk about Boinking and BDSM if that book had anything to do. I wrote a book called Sleeping with Sash, Squatching, Killing with Chupacabra, so... Again, that that was probably closer to reality from friends of mine that live in the lifestyle to that was to anything. But I'm not going to take anything away from it because it sold a shit ton of copies for a reason. Right. Well, it showed a shit ton of copies because she wrote fan fiction and got a bunch of pre-orders for it from the Twilight crowd. And a publisher went, what the fuck is this getting all these pre-orders and bought it as is? Well, there's a few more things to that story than that, too. But there is, and she's marketing, but fucking writing on her BlackBerry. Okay, let's let's talk about something else. What if you could be any mythological or fantastical creature? What would you be? Ooh, what fantastical creature would I be? You mean I'm not one? Um, oh no, you are, but there's a different word for it. Mm. <laughs> so what fantastical creature would I be? You know, one of the things that I've always had that great fascination for, um, I kind of picture, you know, there's, there's part of that theory of taking this, this, you know, stone cold rock hard body and being Thor, because there's a degree there of, of wanting to do that. But in, in that mythology, I am much closer to being Loki because it's more the, huh, let's fuck with this and see what happens. Um, you know, if I look in mythology, I tend to relate to the trickster gods um i love that idea because they tend to be the one that tells the truth everybody's like the tricksters are always the liars the liars are like no they're showing you the truth they don't have to tell you anything 
they're going to be the ones that show you the truth. And okay, if you give me a little bit of magic to go with that, I can do Loki all fucking day long. Wait, you mean I'm get I get to be a god, drink as much as I want to, and fuck with people? Okay, sign me up. Where, where's where's my sign up sheet for that? Um, it, that kind of thing is really more the aspect that would probably fall to me than the I'm going to be the you know good great handed. Um, you know, or, or some of the more tragic stuff. It, to me, that is kind of, I mean, there's a reason that when Loki came out, I was at Jordan Con. I hadn't seen it yet. And several friends of mine at the convention all voted and said, yes, you're a Loki variant. And I said, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. And they said, that's okay. You'll see it eventually. Like, Great, fine. So I'm on the drive home and we're, we're coming back and I call my sister and I'm like, hey, so, um, my friends have told me I'm a Loki variant. She goes, yeah. She goes, my entire staff voted me as one. It's a family trait. Oh, okay. She goes, you're going to need horns. Oh, okay, that I can do. <laughs> and so Dragon that year, a friend of mine, Patrick Dugan, also an author, printed he and I horns. My sister went and printed herself the, Sil uh, the Sylvie horns and printed for my brother-in-law and a couple of other friends of ours at Dragon printed them horns. So there's a family picture of all, all of us standing around with the horns. Um, so if you, and I mean, if you see in the background, which I'm not in that office right now, but my skeleton, you know, my skull is wearing 3D glasses, has a lay on, and it's currently wearing my Loki horns. So that's probably the closest as to where I would really want to be because, you know, again, the Scottish motto is fuck around and find out. Very cool. Okay. Um, Val, you're going to have the final question. I'm warning you now. I've got two more questions and then you're asking the final question and it better not be fucking stupid. I'm just warning you in advance. You haven't asked a lot of I questions. I know what you were. If it's stupid, I'm going to be mad. So you will know in advance. Okay. Oh, so what is your favorite trope of all time? Damn it, that was what I was going to ask. <laughs> See, now you, so in, in terms of tropes, being a fan of a lot of the stuff that I am tends to be playing with the big dumbass hero. Again, my favorite trope, again, goes back to being the tricksters because they tend to be the disruptors. They tend to be the ones that show the truth but create the most havoc along the way. And I think that's part of the reason that I, that I relate to that the most. You find a lot of that in my writing. I mean, I'm dialogue heavy, but again, I, I like to write honest narrators, but I don't like to necessarily have the, the easy to read characters. You want to be suspicious of everybody, even the ones that you look at, you know, you shouldn't be suspicious of. And so that trope, I mean, is, is an archetype. It's a core archetype, that idea of the person that is the truth teller by lying to you the most. And that to me, in terms of tropes, is the one that I use and play with the most because I find it the most developed and the most interesting. I love it. Okay. And then what is your favorite weird food combination? So I cook a lot. 
Um, and so the, you know, you're going to have to be a little more specific about weird food combinations because I'll eat just about anything. I want something that you will regularly snack on that the majority of the human race that you encounter goes, how are you eating that? Or what the fuck is that? That's what I want. I want that weird thing that you love as a snack that most humans would go, what? So <laughs> she always makes fun of me. So here's going to be the bad part. I don't snack that much. Now I will cook some interesting combinations of stuff. Like I, we were at a friend's house this weekend and I tried one of the things they said and I said, Oh no, here's how I'm going to go fuck with this. And that's one of the things I'm doing this weekend. And it's a cream cheese and pecans and all this sort of mishmash. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to work some more hot ginger and some mustard into that. I tend to like things that are way spicy. I'm from the low country of South Carolina. Um, I was raised in a culture where we actually, I mean, my spice cabinets, notice the plural. I love to throw tons of spices and stuff that people typically would look at and go, what in the hell are you doing? Um, one of my favorite recipes to make is it goes with ham and, and this time of year cooking is what everybody calls the Christmas crack. And it is orange juice, preferably fresh orange juice that's been cooked down and reduced with fresh pineapple and stuff cooked down and reduced and a fuck ton of brown sugar, some molasses, um, you know, a little bit of mace, a lot of nutmeg, a lot of cinnamon, a lot of cloves. And you want something that will make the entire house smell like holidays. Um, and it's one of those things that I'll cook. But then I will sometimes put that glaze over stuff that people look at and go, you're out of your fucking mind until they eat it. So there's a lot of things like if you're doing, you know, like meats and stuff like that makes sense. You can do that with ham, you can do it with chicken, you can do it with, you know, wings, you can do it with a lot of different stuff. But cooking that down and making that kind of glaze with something like that's really hot and spicy, like peppers, you know, like do cheese stuffed peppers and stuff like that with that kind of a glaze makes that mix of sweet, spicy, um, and that kind of an infusion. And so that's one of those things that I'll do that a lot of people go and say, that just sounds wrong. Um, there's a lot of other stuff I cook, that, uh, you know, like gator tail. You do, you know, flash fried gator tail, real thin, you know, really nuggety. But some of the seasonings and spices and stuff I'll use with that, people look at me really weird because I will mix um, Indian curries and things like that into uh, and, and a lot of mustards and things like that and mix that into something that's also a bit sweet um, to give it kind of that hot and sweet sort of a mix and people always look at me funny until they dive into it it's like just eat it you'll be fine i that by the way the pepper thing sounds amazing so i will be coming to your house i live close to you no worries as we've discussed previously i will be coming over no problem so when a six foot tall amazon shows up at your door going where are the peppers you understand what's happening you got to give me time to fix them they take time to fix that's fine i'll give you warning but that doesn't mean you can barricade me out okay val you now get the final question I think I got a good one. I got a good one. Do, do I need to sing the final countdown? Because nobody wants me to sing. <laughs> I Okay. If you could co-author with any author in the world, dead or alive, who would you pick to write a story with and what genre of a story? 
if I could co-author with anyone in the anyone hey. anyone dead or alive dead or alive yeah um I actually kind of have two choices here oh the first of which is I'd love to write a sci-fi with Tesla oh um with the okay you write the science we'll go write the story would love to go do that um the other one i'd like to do is i would like to write a buddy comedy with einstein (laughs) okay that i was not prepared for as an answer but brilliant but brilliant um jim shameless self-promotion time again tell us how to find you I'm, I'm just all over the damn place. Um, so the easiest way to find me and all the morass of stuff that I'm involved with is go to jamespnettles.com. Um, it'll link you out to most things. There's updates that are coming. Um, if you're interested in some of the workshops and stuff like that that I teach, you can check out authoressentials.net, authoressentialsworkshops.com. Um, I'm also the business dean for the Speculative Fiction Academy at speculativefictionacademy.com. So if you're a writer working in spec fic, we've got about 70 instructors and and continuing to grow out there right now. Uh, If you're interested in Continual, that is an online convention we run. We do six, seven shows a week. Um, And we've got everything about half craft, about half fandom. I run two programs, uh, The Panel Room and Hot Off the Press, which is our new releases show. Um, I do some fandom shows um, and I also produce a couple of the others. And then my podcast and show is creatingpros.com. And again, I think I've forgotten something somewhere in there, but you'll be able to find me. And then I'm, you know, Facebook, occasionally I show up on that Hive of Scum and Villainy that's Twitter um, and, you know, IG and other stuff like that. But for the most part, not that hard to find. Very cool. Very cool. Jim, you've been so much fun to have on this show. I've had a lot of fun. I cannot um, wait to hang out with you in person at excellent. a convention and if nothing else, maybe Dragon Con this year. Excellent. Well, we I mean, plan for... a day for drug fest. <laughs> okay. So Dragon Con. Um, so yeah, so far my convention schedule looks like I will be at the first retcon, which is I think in February, I've got to look back and see it's either January or February, um, which is going to be in Raleigh area. Um, then. I've got in March, I will be in Charleston to go play Parade Marshal, you know, and then run a, you know, pub crawl. Uh, But I might have books with me. You never know. I always have books with me. Um, But then I will be teaching the uh, weekend before that at Saga, which is a writer's conference in, um, which will be in Winston-Salem. And you can find that at sagaconvention.com, I think it is. Um, Then I will be at JordanCon in Atlanta. Um, I will be at, um, uh, at Con Carolinas. I'll be teaching some workshops at Con Carolinas, um, which is going to be the end of May, beginning of June. You would think as a, used to be a director, I would remember what the date is, but I barely remember my own name. Um, then, um, I think there's something else there in June. I got a, oh yeah. Uh, I'll also be in May in Charleston at Atomicon, which is a fun great little convention if you need an excuse to come to charleston and drink um then in july i will be at grandfather mountain highland games i will be at um at uh, congregate which is in winston-salem which is another great fun little convention especially if you want to come network as a writer 
Um, August, there's a couple of things that are on tap. September, I just got my acceptance again, so I will again be a guest at DragonCon. And spoiler alert, I may actually be teaching a couple of workshops at Dragon this year. Um, and that's in September, and I'm working through the rest of my calendar for the rest of the year. Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, again, it was wonderful having you, and we hopefully will be able to connect. That will be amazing. Absolutely. Love to love to come on and play again if you guys need yes. me. Of course. And don't forget to like, subscribe. You're listening to us. Hit the damn buttons. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear it. And otherwise, we'll see you guys next time. See you Bye. What will you do when your child asks? What were Saturday morning cartoons? What were Saturday morning cartoons? What's wrong with you? Or will you handle it the right way? Sit down, baby girl. Let me introduce you to my friend, Mark McRae. Join Dan Clink and I on the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast as we take a unique behind the scenes look at the history and dynamics of animation with plenty of laughs along the way. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.